Hello, welcome to the Spirit of Praise podcast. I'm Alfred Jackson, the senior pastor and presiding bishop of Tabernacle of Praise Churches International. I come to you with 45 years of experience in teaching and preaching the Holy Scriptures. Now, each week on this podcast, you will hear informative and challenging messages that will help you develop a more meaningful relationship with the Lord and help you live out your faith more effectively. Thanks for spending time with us today. Now, let's see what it is the Lord has to say to us. Welcome this morning to Tabernacle of Praise Church International. We greet you all in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we thank the Lord for this day. We thank the Lord for this opportunity to come together this morning in worship. Those of us who have gathered in the sanctuary, just a few of us as normal, and those who are listening at home, we greet you all in the name of our Savior and our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank the Lord for his goodness, his greatness, his majesty, and his power. We praise him because he is the sovereign God, and he is the God who is worthy, the only one who's worthy of our praise and our adoration. Thank God for this opportunity to come together this morning in worship, and we pray that you'll be blessed and that through your worship that's rendered in our worship that's rendered unto the Lord today, that his name will be blessed, that he will be glorified, and his kingdom advanced. Thank you for tuning in this morning. Amen. And we're going to move forward with our worship today. Amen. I'm going to ask Elder Logan Stowe to come and to lead us in prayer. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go before the Lord. Father God, we bless you. We give you all honor and praise and glory, God. For this is the day that you have made, Lord. We rejoice and we're glad in it. We thank you, God, for the beauty of your creation on this day. And now, God, as we go forth in corporate worship throughout this world, God, we just thank you, God, that your presence is in our midst, God. We thank you, Lord, that this is a day that you have loaded up with benefits. God, we give you praise. And this is a day, God, that we arose with new mercies. So, Father God, we honor you and we bless your holy and righteous name on today, God. So, God, we thank you, Lord, for the fire of your spirit, God, that is going, that is going to permeate your body on this day, God. So, Lord, we say have your way, God. We bless you, we honor you, and we magnify your holy name, God. Have your way in our midst, God. Let the worship that just sweeps through every living room, every household, God, let it be a sweet savor in your nostrils, God, that we glorify you today for you alone are worthy, God. You are God and God alone. Beside you there is none other God. And we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. It's in the mighty and marvelous and miraculous and majestic name of Jesus the Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord as we continue in worship. Uh, Minister Kenton Simon will lead us, amen, further in worship following the reading of the scriptures. Amen. The scripture this morning will come to you from the book of James, James chapter 2. And we will read from verse 14 to the end of that chapter. James chapter 2, beginning at verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has work, who he has faith, but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God? You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together 
with his works, and by works, faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Amen. Hallelujah. What can stand against the Lord? Nothing can. Who can stand against the Lord? Nobody can. God is mighty in battle. Hallelujah. He is our rock. He's our fortress. He is our way maker and he is our sustainer. He has the victory over everything that we face, over everything that we endure. So be encouraged today and know that you also have the victory. Hallelujah. stand against the Lord no one can no one will who can stand against the king no one can no one will oh oh victory Jesus, we have the victory. 
the name of Jesus. Glory to the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. This morning, uh, from the book of James, chapter 2, and I'll read again, uh, beginning at verse 14. read it just a few moments ago. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. I want to use for a thought this morning, when biblical faith intersects life. When biblical faith intersects life. Hallelujah. So, Father, thank you again for this morning. Thank you for this privilege to stand in your presence before your people to proclaim your word. I pray for a fresh anointing of your spirit. I pray to God you give me clarity of speech, clarity of thought and speech of God, that I might communicate that which you communicated to me and do it effectively. Anoint me now afresh right now to proclaim your word this day. Thank you that when your word goes forth, it does not return to you void. It accomplishes all that you desire and you prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. Thank you that victory does belong to you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. When biblical faith intersects life or with life, a person can live his or her life rather carefree with only him or her and their immediate inner circle of family and friends to care about and be rather unresponsive to the needs of other people in society and the larger world. However, for those of us who've been impacted by the intersection of biblical faith and life, Things have drastically changed for us. When genuine biblical faith intersects with one's life, as we've known it, life is drastically altered, drastically changed, unless a person just simply, just simply rejects the Bible and rejects Jesus Christ altogether. And of course, many people have done that. There are many people that don't want to have anything to do with Christ, don't want to have anything to do with, with the Word of God. Uh, yeah, yeah. But for those of us who've experienced Christ and biblical faith and our lives have intersected, life is never the same from that point on. We have embarked, we have embarked um, on a lifelong journey of spiritual discovery, of spiritual enlightenment, and spiritual transformation that has taken place and will take place until Jesus returns. Amen. Uh, the, Lord, the Lord has been dealing with me about this all week, and it does tie directly into the teaching that we've been doing on injustice and the responsibility of the body of Christ uh, to speak up and speak out about the injustices uh, that the poor and the oppressed and the vulnerable and the marginalized of our society and world are facing. We can't truly say that, that we have encountered uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and that we've come to faith in him and at the same time see people suffering unjustly. Uh, and uh, or at the same time, think suspiciously about people simply because they are of a different ethnicity or, or what we might call race. Uh, nor can we continue to uphold systems that keep people in subjection and states of inferiority if we have really come and encountered the Lord Jesus Christ and biblical faith. 
Amen. This is not the way of Jesus Christ. Christ transcends culture. Christ transcends every culture. Coming to faith in Christ brings us into a different kingdom. It brings us into his kingdom. It brings us into a different culture, amen, than the culture of this world or the culture that we grew up in. Amen. Genuine biblical faith in the Lord Jesus Christ sees people as God sees them. Amen. And treats people as God would have them treated. God does not have one standard for Caucasian Americans or Caucasian South Africans or Europeans. Amen. Or and another standard for black Americans or Native Americans. No, he does not. God does not have one standard for Liberians and another standard for Britons. God does not have one standard for Afghans and another standard for Chinese. God does not have a caste system in place. Amen. Whenever anyone of any culture and our nationality comes to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is Christ's standard that comes to bear upon that person's life and their culture, and that culture and that life must reflect the culture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This is the reason that the Scripture teaches us that we, that all believers are one body in Christ Jesus. God has delivered us, amen, from the powers of darkness. And God has conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. As born again believers, we live in the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not any select group of believers, but all believers, amen, we live in the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the culture of that kingdom is then becomes the culture that we live in and that we reflect. Amen. Amen. God transforms us, or the Holy Spirit transforms us to be like him, to live like him, and to love like him. Amen. And how do we know what he is like? That's the question. How do we know what Christ is like? We have to study his life. We have to study his character. We have to study his teachings. And we have to study his interactions with people. That's how I know what Christ is like. It's our faith in Jesus Christ that makes all of the difference in our lives. The thing that we must do, the thing that we must allow is that we must allow scripture correctly interpreted, amen, to bear or come to bear upon our lives, upon the way we think, first of all, because the way you think translates into your actions, come to bear upon the way we think and then upon the way we act and the way we treat other people. Jesus told his disciples, he said that they were to go into all of the world and they were to make disciples of every people group. All right? He said, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the name of the Son and the name of the Holy Ghost, teaching them, he said, to observe all that I have commanded. Amen. Those last words are of utmost importance. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Amen. To be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, not just a member of the church, mind you, all right? Not just a member of the quote-unquote religious society, but to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ means that we are taught to observe or to pay attention to or to follow or to obey those things that the Lord has commanded. We cannot isolate certain scriptures to obey and disregard others. He said, all that I've commanded you. 
So when you look at the life of Jesus, you see that Jesus challenged prejudice. Head on. He challenged prejudice. Amen. All you got to do is look at his life. I mean, I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about a lot of things. I can't give a lot of examples. You have to study the life of Jesus. But you see him going to the well to meet this woman who was a Samaritan. He was challenging prejudice and custom and tradition. Amen. Amen. He challenged ungodliness just like he challenged traditions that were established by men that were not in line with scriptures. And just like he challenged demonic forces. And you think about this, you can lump all of this. These are the things that Jesus challenged. So prejudice is demonic. Ungodliness is demonic. Amen. I want you to hear, amen. I am not targeting anybody this morning except people that are living in an ungodly manner which encompasses all of this. Prejudice is ungodly. It is ungodly. Hatred is ungodly. Amen. Jesus said, if you will become my disciple, okay, if you're going to follow me and become my disciple, not just a church member, because the problem today is that we have a lot of church members who are not committed, who have not studied the life of Jesus and know Jesus and reflect Jesus in their lifestyles. And I'm not being judgmental. I mean, if I look at an apple tree, I notice that it is an apple tree. Amen. 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 So I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm delivering what the Lord gave to me. Amen. 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 Just like Jesus challenged all of these things. He said, if you're going to become my disciple, not just a church member, if you're going to be my disciple, you must deny self, take up your cross, then follow me. So denying self covers everything that is involved in the way of life we lived before we came to know Jesus Christ. If we're going to be his disciple, we must reject unrighteousness in any form. Amen. Which includes rejecting prejudice of any kind toward anyone. Anyone. I can't be prejudiced. Amen. I can't be prejudiced because it is ungodly. And if I'm going to follow Jesus, I must reject it. Amen. Amen. If we're going to be his disciples, we must reject injustice toward any people group. Amen. And we must follow and fight for justice. We must as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ because that's what Christ stood for. If we're going to be his disciple, we must reject hatred and embrace sacrificial love. Amen. We must reject showing preference to people because of their so-called status in society. Amen. Amen. And we must treat everyone as a brother and a sister in Christ Jesus. Denying self and take it up the cross, it is not easy because it challenges us to change and be like Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Oh, I'm a Christian, I love Jesus. And I go to church and I sing, oh, how he loves me. And I, and I lift my hands and I worship, but I have hatred in my heart. Against my brother or my sister. I'm suspicious of my brother or my sister because of the color of his skin. I was just reading an article this week, and, and you know, it really pains me that in 20, 2020, we're still dealing with this. And it's because, basically, as I, as I preached for the last couple of Sundays, you know, you expect people in the world not to understand the Lord's way, but you expect believers, you know, to understand the Lord's way. You expect believers to reflect Christ. Amen. You expect believers to exemplify Jesus. So it pains me that in 2020, we still have to deal with these issues. And part of it is because we don't like change. We don't like change. To be like Christ challenges us to change. As I was meditating on this, the Lord took me to the book of James. 
Amen. James deals with practical Christian living. Uh, somebody ought to say practical. <laughs> because that's what we need today. We need practical Christian living. This book is one of the most practical books in the Bible. You know, Martin Luther, I was reading somewhere, said he wanted to at one point throw this book out of the Bible because, it, you know, his, his push was on uh, the justification of faith alone, justified by faith alone. And, and James brings in works. James was not negating justification by faith, but he was just showing us that if we really have faith, works are going to automatically come because my faith is proven by my work. Amen. I'm jumping ahead of myself, so let me back up. Amen. This, this book is one of the most practical books in the Bible. It addresses topic, topics such as how to understand and overcome the trials of life, how to grow in wisdom, how to think about and use wealth, how to overcome temptation, how to control our anger and our speech, and what it is that God wants from us. And that's just in the first chapter. Read the whole book. Amen. It challenges a lot of things, practical, practical things. The book of James teaches us that genuine faith, genuine faith, genuine faith makes a genuine difference in the way we think and act. Amen. That's what this book teaches us. This is an important book for people who say we have faith. You see, there is always the temptation to yield to the side of mystical Christianity. Whew. And you need to study mystical Christianity. Amen. There are a lot of mystical practices in the church. Amen. We, 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 there's the far side of mysticism, but even in the church, we can become super spiritual and super mystic and mysterious, you know, uh, and, and our actions and our doing, and it's the Lord, it's the Lord, it's the Lord, and it's like we're living on a cloud and we're not living on earth. We're living on earth every day. So we, there is always the temptation to yield more to the side of mystical Christianity or to yield to the side of carrying the name of Christ, amen, but no real walk with Jesus Christ, both of which puts the individual in a dangerous situation in their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. James brings us back to practicality. He teaches us practical things that the believer must embrace. The believer in Jesus Christ must embrace and must do if their faith is to be genuine biblical faith. Biblical faith. Amen. This is a challenge of the for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in this decade. Amen. Amen. We must seek to have genuine biblical faith. Amen. A faith that has intersected with our lives and brought about real substantial change. A faith that makes us look like in practice the Christ who is our Lord. Amen. Apart from that, we are guilty of having a form of godliness, a form of godliness, and denying the power of a godly life. Apart from that, we are guilty of engaging in practices that show partiality in the body of Christ and that offends certain groups of people and turns them away from the Lord Jesus Christ rather than drawing them to him. Apart from that, we are guilty, apart from a genuine biblical faith, we are guilty of not properly discerning the body of Christ and bringing damnation to ourselves. Apart from a genuine biblical faith, we are guilty of praising God with our lips while our hearts are far from him. Hallelujah. God is looking for a people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Whose truth? His truth as set out in the Holy Scriptures. Amen. Anything other than that 
Anything that we bring to God other than that, anything we offer to God other than that is unacceptable. Amen. It ties into will worship, as Paul talks about in in Galatians. This type of worship, this type of allegiance, this type of service only comes when life and biblical faith, glory to God, have intersected and the living Christ has changed the person who has come in contact with him. Amen. So what does James teach us? What what does the book of James teach us about faith and life intersecting? Amen. What does it teach us about the change that comes from practical, genuine, biblical faith? Well, first of all, as I said, the book of James is filled with many practical teachings, and I can't preach it all today, even though I would like to. You know, I would just like to preach for a couple of hours today. Amen. Praise the Lord. But I can't tell you it all today. But, but as the Holy Spirit leads me, I will use one base, this one basic text and build upon it. Amen. With several practical teachings that shows what happens when biblical faith and life intersect. James 2 and 14 again. What does it profit, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, And one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things that are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. D-E-A-D, dead. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Now James goes on to explain some things about faith, justification by faith, and the fact he uses Abraham who, who was justified by his faith but had works to go along with his faith. Amen. wasn't just that Abraham believed God, but Abraham had works that were produced out of that faith that he had in, the, in God. Amen. So we're not going into all of that today. Amen. Read it for yourself. You need to read the whole book of James. The premise behind James's teaching, so James's word, is that true faith, biblical faith, when it intersects with one's life, brings about such a change that the person begins engaging in life-changing works, not just for himself or herself, but in and for the lives of others. Amen. Jesus didn't come to save himself. He came to save us. He didn't call us just for us to be saved, but he called us to use us that others may come to the faith in him. Genuine biblical faith does not live in a bubble that that isolates its practitioners from the real needs of real people who are hurting, who are oppressed, who are marginalized, who are vulnerable, who are treated unjustly and abused in society. Genuine biblical faith does not only sit in the church and pray for the lost, for the vulnerable, for the marginalized, those treated unjustly and inhumanely in society. Genuine biblical faith not only says God will change things, it goes to work to make real change in people's lives and in the world that they live in. Genuine biblical faith. Just don't sit down and do nothing. Genuine biblical faith stirs you to action. So, how do we see all of this in this book? Well, uh, James points out some things to us. All right? Okay. First of all, what James says is, you must look into the perfect law of liberty. Hmm. All right? James chapter 1, verse 22. He says, but be, listen, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, 
goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Mm. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, he who looks into the perfect law that sets free, (laughs) the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work this one will be blessed in what he does alright what does this text show us and, 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 and I was reading some references in the, in the spirit filled life bible Amen. so I give credit to where credit is due with this comment amen um, this text shows the word of God as a means of reflection. Okay? Amen. It, it, it shows the word of God as a means of reflection, a mirror into which we are to look and we are to see ourselves. Hallelujah. Amen. The call is not only to heed what we see and accept the Bible's corrective instructions because as I see myself in the Word, the Word is going to give me correction. It's going to correct the way I think. Amen. If I embrace it, it will correct the way I think, the way I act, the way I live, the way I treat my brothers and my sisters, the way I see people in this world. It's going to correct all of that bad stuff that came into me when I did not know Jesus that came into me when I was raised up in a culture and in a society that may not have reflected the teachings of Jesus Christ. When I, when I, when I, when I look into the word of God, it's going to show me me and it's going to correct me. Whew. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 But there is an unwritten lesson here. A lot of times we just want to read the Bible and We just take the words and we forget the implications of the word. And the unwritten lesson is that we should avoid the temptation to see others in the world and analyze what they ought to be (laughs) instead of what we need to be. Ooh, it's so easy to look at other people. So as I preach, and I always say this to Tabernacle of Praise, as I preach, I'm preaching to me. All right. And before I preach to you, I preach to me three, four, five, six times. Amen. As I'm preparing, as I'm reflecting, as, as I'm studying, I'm preaching to me. Amen. So, so this message is not to be judgmental. It's to be corrective. It's to be medicine for us. Amen. Amen. To help us. Amen. Look at what God has said in his word and allow the word to change. So you don't have to take my word. Study for yourself. Hmm. Then, then, then we need to look at, at, at 2 Corinthians 3 and 18. Because 2 Corinthians 3 and 18 also likens God's word to a mirror, but describes the image seen as no less than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. It says, but we are with open faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Right? So when I, when I as a born-again believer who has, who's been, who's been uh, uh, challenged by biblical faith and I've accepted what biblical faith, I look in the mirror, I'm not looking to see me. I see Jesus. Amen. I see myself being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. The two texts taken together, first of all, shows, the Bible shows us Christ's likeness in order, in order that we may measure our conduct and measure our character against his and allow God to shape us into the Christ likeness. Another scripture that bears that up is Romans 8 and 29. For who he foreknew, which meant thought of in a personal saving relationship, okay? He also predestined or planned that they would ultimately be like Christ, conformed into his image. 
or into the image of his son, as it says in the scripture. As we seriously now, seriously, I'm not talking about reading the Bible. I'm talking about studying. As we seriously study and embrace the word of God, we, which is active and alive, the word of God, which is spirit and life, mm, that word begins to work in us. That word begins to transform us by the renewing of our minds and making us more and more like Christ day by day. That's what's important in the Word of God. The perfect law of liberty. Mm. Many people are not liberated. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because we have not looked intently into the perfect law of liberty. We're still bound up in our minds. We're still bound up in our way of thinking. We're still bound up in traditions. We're still bound up in cultural peculiarities. Because we refuse to look intently into the perfect law of liberty. And we've forgotten even if we read it, we have become forgetful hearers and not doers of the work of the word. If you don't do what you read and learn, you forget it. So every opportunity the Lord presents to you, when you're studying the word of God, God will present you with opportunities to put it into practice. Mm. If you dislike certain people, God will bring you right into their faces. And you've been studying the word. The word is to change you. The word is to transform you. The word is to set you free. So God is going to put you into situations that will challenge the way you think, challenge the way you believe, challenge the way you act, because the word of God will transform your life so that you will be like Jesus Christ. Amen. Point number two, as we get into the word of God, we discover that God does not respect the person because of his or her status in society, income level, nationality, or anything else like that. God is no respecter of persons. Hear that good. Because even in the church and in the world today, there is a respect of persons. Yeah, we tend to think that some people are better because they're rich. We tend to think that some people are better because of the nationality that they come from. We tend to think that some people are better because of the schools that they went to. Oh, my brothers and sisters, all you got to do is look at the news, look at the national news. I mean, there are good people who struggle to get into good schools and were turned down, but there are evil people, evil-hearted people, amen, who paid that way for their children to get accepted in the schools, not because they qualified, but because their parents had money. There are people who have gone to jail because they didn't have money to afford good lawyers or they didn't come from the right side of the tracks. Come on, y'all. Look at what happens in society. But the perfect law of liberty changes that. And God shows us that he is not a respecter of person and that we should not show partiality because of a person's status in society or because of a person's income level, or their nationality, or their ethnic background. Amen. God treats everybody justly, and God expects us to do the same. Listen, I said God treats us justly. God actually treats us more than justly. He's merciful toward us, but his standard is justice. Are you hearing me? He is not an unjust God. He does not practice injustice. Amen. 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 God does not show favoritism, and genuine biblical faith does not show partiality, does not show favoritism, does not give privilege. Listen, that word privilege, amen, needs to be dealt with in our society. Does not show privilege to people because of their ethnic background. Does not show. A mark of the early church Acts chapter 4, verses 34 and 35, which sets a standard for the church 
throughout the ages. A mark of the early church was that they sold all that, all that they had, all of their possessions, and brought them to the apostles so that the apostles would have the responsibility of distributing to everyone, and everyone would have their needs met. Now, let me say this. This is not a law set up in the scriptures, but it is a spiritual principle for the church to follow in every generation. All right? It's not a law. God is not requiring you to sell everything that you have and come and bring it to the preacher, bring it to your priest or whatever. He's not requiring that. But what we see is a principle that should be followed or that the church should follow in every generation. All right? We must see that everyone's needs are met. Everyone's. We must see to it. We must see to it. Many times that need is not to have food on the table. Are you listening? Many times that need is not just to have a job. All right? Many times that need is to be treated equal. To get the same pay for the same job. To not to be looked over because of the color of your skin. Hmm. I'm talking about biblical faith. All right. That should be embraced by all believers. You don't you can't tell me that the owner of every company is a heathen. You cannot tell me that the person who's over the hiring in different companies are heathens. They're in the church. They're on the boards. They're singing in the choirs. You can't tell me. This is a spiritual principle. Spiritual principle that must be followed in every generation. We must see to it that everyone's needs are met. And we must limit, we must not limit those needs to feeding the hungry and clothing the naked. We must deal with the injustice in our societies and in our world. We must deal with how certain people are treated unfairly in our society and in our world. This is not just a United States problem. This is a world problem. And we can only see to it that people are treated justly when our hearts have been changed. We're no longer partial. We no longer have favorites, and we no longer see differences. I know that's a big pill to swallow, and that's a big thing to embrace. But remember, we don't do this in our own strength. It is God who works in us both to will and to do his good pleasure. The Holy Spirit works in us to change us. We have to yield to him. We have to allow him to work in us. We have to allow him to change our lives. We can't do it. Amen. We are born in sin. We are shaped in iniquity. Amen. We are in shape by our culture. We are shaped by the way we think, by the families we've been brought up in. We are shaped by generations of stuff. Holy Spirit has to come in and has to change all of that stuff, all of that iniquity, all of that lawlessness, all of that sin, and make us like him. Only he can do it. We can't do it in our own strength. James says, don't show partiality to the rich and prefer them over the poor. Again, a spiritual principle that must be followed. Apply it across the board. It's not just dealing with the rich. All right? Don't show partiality to ethnicities. ethnicities. Don't show partiality because of class designations or because of cultural groupings. Don't do it. This is practical. This is genuine biblical faith that is proven in the works that we do toward each other. Yeah. Faith without work is 
dead. Amen. It's dead. This can only happen when this, 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 this exorcism of partiality and favoritism and uh, all of this stuff can only happen when genuine biblical faith intersects and changes a person's life. Last thing I want to share with you. Amen. Uh, James says, don't just talk. Do something. Do something tangible. All right? Make a tangible difference in a person's or in people's lives and situations. This is genuine biblical faith. This is what the believer is called to do. We, the body of Christ, we are called to make tangible differences in people's lives. Right? Tangible. If I'm hungry, don't just tell me to go and be filled. If I'm cold, don't just tell me to go and be warm. That's shirking your responsibility. Don't just tell me that God will make a way, that God will fix it. Maybe he will, but it is shirking your responsibility as a born-again, Holy Ghost-filled Christian when you've been charged by God to do something to make a difference in a person's life who is vulnerable, who is poor, who is marginalized and dispossessed, and you do nothing. Shirking your responsibility. Well, I need to finish this message. <laughs> you might say, where do you see this? James said it, but where else do you see it? What did Jesus teach you? Well, do you remember the words recorded in Matthew chapter 25 that Jesus said? You know, some of, some of us, some people, you know, everything written in red is what Jesus said. <laughs> Yeah, we got to have that red letter Bible. and got to be the King James or it's not the Bible. Right. But do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25? I'm, I'm, I'm going to read that so you can be reminded of what Jesus said. Beginning at verse 31. Ah. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of, glory, of his glory and all the nations or people groups will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as the shepherd divides his sheep from the goats and he will set the sheep on the right hand, on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. Imprisoned, and you came to me. And let, since this is a principle, let, let's just add a little bit more to it. I was poor, and you helped me out. Helped me come out of my poverty. I was marginalized, and you included me. I was vulnerable. You stood by me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and, and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you in all of these situations? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. The least of these. Oh, we forget about the least of these. The larger society has forgotten about the least of these. Even on the news this morning, before I was leaving home, I didn't have time to listen to the whole report. But they were talking about the inequities in our society today. Between the rich and the poor. Between a society that's been overlooked and neglected down through the generations in America. 
Now we're suffering from the effects of this, of this pandemic, this coronavirus, and there's a, there's a segment of American society that is suffering more than other people in this society. And as much as you've done it to one of the least of these, you've done it to me. But Jesus didn't stop right there. He didn't stop right there. He went on to say, glory to God. Hallelujah. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, depart from me. You cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for, you, for the devil and his angels. Oh, that's a, that's a stark and a terrible designation that the Lord makes to people who don't put work with their faith. I was hungry. You gave me no food. I was thirsty. You gave me no drink. I was a stranger. You did not take me in. Naked, you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, you did not visit me. I was poor. You made me poorer. I was marginalized. You pushed me further away. I was vulnerable. You made me more vulnerable. I was oppressed. You oppressed me more. You say, when? That's what they will say. When did we see you, Lord? Jesus said, surely I say to you, and as much as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. I tell you, my brothers and sisters, when genuine biblical faith intersects with our lives, drastic change takes place. Real, tangible, life-changing, world-altering change takes place. This is the reason that the early Christians, it was said of them, those who've turned the world upside down have come here too. Acts 17, the second part of that verse. It's time for the church to rise up and be the conscious of this nation, of every nation, every people group of the world. It's time for us to live out genuine biblical faith so that we can turn this world upside down for Jesus. We'll do it when genuine biblical faith intersects with our lives. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that when your word goes forth, it will not return to you void, but it will accomplish all that you desire. Thank you that you prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. Thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you, I want you this morning, as we've listened to this word today, prayerfully challenged by the word of the Lord, go back and, and read Read the scriptures yourself and remember that it's not just the book of James you need to read. You need to read the word uh, and allow the perfect law of liberty to, to affect and change your life. But if, if your heart is pricked today, if regardless of what ethnicity you are, if your heart has been pricked by the word of God, I want to pray for you first. God is a forgiving God. God is a restoring God. God is a healer. God is able to bring change in our lives. So, Father, I thank you for all of those who've listened to this message today. I pray, Father, for those of us who are believers, but God, we have not allowed genuine biblical faith to really challenge us, to really change our lives. Forgive us, Lord, for, 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 for feelings, for thoughts, for practices, for ways of life that don't reflect you. Forgive us, Lord, for times that we've practiced prejudice, we've been suspicious of people, or we've shown partiality toward people. Forgive us, Lord, of times that, that we have not reflected you. God, we confess our sin to you today. 
You said if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So we yield ourselves to you today. We thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness. We thank you, God, that as we expose ourselves to your perfect word, your perfect law of liberty, you will set us free from everything that hinders us and stops us from being like you. Thank you, Father. We trust you. And we commit ourselves to study in your life, study in your character, study in your way, and incorporating that into our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And now, if there is someone today who's not accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and your Lord, maybe, maybe, maybe you didn't realize that 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 the Lord cares for you. Maybe you've looked at people and not really gotten to know Jesus and really, example, look at Jesus and the way he loves you and the things he said about you. And today you're hearing that the Lord loves you. Whatever situation you're in, whatever stage, God loves you. God wants you to come to him. Only God can bring about the necessary change in your life. Only God can do it. You can't do it. I don't care how hard you try. The Lord can change you. The Lord can help you. The Lord loves you. Right where you are, the Lord loves you. He doesn't want you to stay where you are. He wants you to come to him in faith and trust him. If you're unsaved today, I want to invite you to receive Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. Pray this prayer with me. And when you finish praying this prayer, write to us. Go online to, to, to our website. Write to us. Let us know that you've prayed the prayer of faith and accepted Jesus Christ as Savior Lord so that we can follow up with you. Give us your information and we will contact you. Repeat this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. But I believe that you died on the cross to save me from my sin. You paid the price that I deserve to pay because of my sin and of my sin against God. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. I receive you today. And I trust you that you will do as you said in your word. You said as many as received you you gave them the right to become your child. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for receiving me today. I receive my salvation now. Amen. God bless you. Again, if you pray that prayer, please write to us. Let us know that you've received Christ as Savior and Lord. We will follow up with you. We will help you grow in the Lord and point you to a church in whatever area you live in, whatever part of the world, if we have to search it out for ourselves, a church where you can grow in the Lord. Thank you for listening today. I do want to encourage us, Tabernacle of Praise members, please continue giving online. Uh, give your tithes and offerings. Uh, we need the ministry to continue to go. So you can give uh, on our church website or you can give through Giblify. If you are visiting with us today online and you would like to sow into this ministry, please feel free. This word has blessed you. You can go back to our podcast and listen to a lot of other messages that are, that are there. And the Lord is leading you to sow today into this ministry. Please feel free to do so. We welcome you and we pray the blessings of the Lord upon your lives. Join us on, Tuesday, on Wednesday night for our Power Bible Study. Same place, 7 p.m. on Tuesday night, our, our prayer call. You can go to our website and get that information, 7, 8 to, 8 to 9, 8 to 8.30 on Tuesday night. One last announcement. We had said that we would come together as a gathered congregation on next Sunday. I've been praying about this, and, and, I, and I reserved the right to make a change if necessary. I believe that, that as Christians, that we obey the authorities of the land. Um, and there is a need for us not to gather as a gathered congregation on next Sunday in the sanctuary. Our plans for next Sunday will be 
that you we will set up outside. We will have an outdoor open air service. Okay, you can come and sit in your cars, but there will be chairs spaced out outside, like we've already done. We set up the sanctuary this morning, amen. So that uh, yeah, so that that we would come and wouldn't have to have to be sit, sitting upon each other. But we'll do that for next Sunday outside. Uh, and we in, encourage all of you to come and be a part of the worship if you feel comfortable uh, being in an outside setting. Um, and we will have our worship outside next Sunday. You can either sit in your cars or you can sit in the seats that will be spaced out outside. Um, we don't have anything to prove to anybody. Uh, I just believe that the church should obey uh, the laws of the land. I think that's a good example. I think that's a good example, and, and our governor has not released us as gathered as a group of people to come back together in large groups of people. So we will, until further notice, uh, that's what we will do. If the weather is pleasing like it is today, next Sunday, uh, we will gather outside. Spread the word to those who may not be listening and we will send the information out to you. We have everything in place to come together. We have uh, all of our sanitizing materials. We've, we've, our board of directors have worked with us uh, thoroughly to make sure we've covered every base to keep people safe. We want to keep you safe. Let's continue in prayer. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. God bless you. We love you. God does too. May the Spirit of the Lord rest upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the message today. I pray that you've been inspired and helped by what the Lord gave us to share with you. These are critical times that we're living in. There are a lot of voices speaking to us and vying for our attention. But I want you to know that God wants your attention as well. God wants to be able to help you to bless your life and help you live a full and meaningful life. So give God your attention today. Now, if you've been blessed by this message, let us know. Visit our website at topraise.org. You'll find a place there to send a message to us. We would love to hear from you. Also, as the Lord leads, if you feel led to sow a seed into this ministry, give to this ministry, you can do that as well at topraise.org forward slash give. Also, as the Lord leads, and you would like to sow a seed into this ministry, you can do that as well at topraise.org forward slash give. Help us as we spread the gospel to various parts of the world through our podcast and also through the work we do on the ground in Dominican Republic, Liberia, Burkina Faso, Guinea, Ghana, Kenya, Malawi, and South Africa. A seed into this ministry will bless people beyond our borders. Thank you again for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing whatever the Lord lays on your heart to share. God bless you.